Hey, this is David Perkins, pastor of Radiant Church. Thanks so much for checking out our podcast. I hope and I pray that the content helps you grow as a follower of Jesus. We'd love to see you at one of our services on Sundays or maybe at our Bold Conference this summer. Remember this, those who look to Him are radiant. Psalm 27, the Lord is my light and my salvation, whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life, of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked advance against me to devour me, it is my enemies and my foes who will stumble and fall. Though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. Though war break out against me, even then I will be confident. One thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek Him in His temple. For in the day of trouble, He will keep me safe in His dwelling. He will hide me in the shelter of His sacred tent and set me high upon a rock. Then my head will be exalted above the enemies who surround me. At His sacred tent, I will sacrifice with shouts of joy. I will sing and make music to the Lord. Hear my voice when I call, Lord. Be merciful to me and answer me. My heart says, if you seek his face, your face, Lord, I will seek. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You have been my helper. Do not reject me or forsake me, God, my savior. Though my father and mother forsake me, the Lord will receive me. Teach me your way, Lord. Lead me in a straight path because of my oppressors. Do not turn me over to the desire of my foes. For false witnesses rise up against me, spouting malicious accusations. I remain confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. Have you ever wondered how you're gonna make it through this stressful season? Here in Psalm 27, David gives us a perspective in verse four on how he made it through difficulty. But verse verse three gives us his actual circumstance. Like when you look at his circumstance next to your circumstance, I know that what we're facing is hard, but I just want you to see in context of David writing Psalm 27, the challenges that he faces. Because we're facing financial challenges and we're facing relational stress. But here's David and David in verse three, he says, though an army besiege me, I will not fear. 
though war break out against me, I, I'm not gonna, in this I'll be confident. And look at this, before we get to the this, before we get to the verse four perspective, I just want you to see his actual circumstance because David actually has armies that are trying to take him out. At the end of his life, David's king and his son, Absalom, wants to take him out. And David's running in the wilderness from his son who's trying to kill him. Or think about earlier in his life where David has King Saul. David has been anointed to be the next king. And David has the king of Israel trying to take him out. So David actually has armies that want to destroy him. He's, when he's writing these ideas, this is his story. You've got actually a little bit earlier in 1 Samuel 30, the moment where David's own men become frustrated with him. And in 1 Samuel 30, it says that they took up stones to kill David, like his own guys. That's stressful. So the moment where Absalom wanted to take him out or King Saul or his own armies, or even before that, when David is in the palace and King Saul throws spears at him or the moment where he's going and he's facing Goliath, or the moment where his brothers ridicule him, or, or even the moment with Goliath who taunts him, I'm gonna give your body to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. I mean, I just look at all those circumstances, not to mention the lion and the bear that David faced. And David faced real stress. David faced some challenging situations, and I just want you to see that. Because we're going through some hard times to each one of us, and it's not to belittle any of that. But in context of that, David gives us a secret. He gives us a perspective. He gives us a way to see our lives that helps us endure hardship, that helps us walk through the trials, that helps us go through the most challenging situation. One of the things that we see in David is that he says, though an army besiege me, and he's got this language that, he doesn't have an expectation that everything's gonna go well. So he doesn't have the, they all lived happily ever after perspective. And so we often have that because most of us, since we were children, have heard and they lived happily ever after. Or we've grown up with Hollywood, so we see movies and often the movie will end with a happy ending and we kind of subconsciously think, yeah, life's supposed to end happy. Maybe if I come to God then, then I'm gonna end up happy and my life's gonna be easy. David doesn't have that perspective. David has a perspective that empowers him to have his chin up, his head up when he's going through circumstance that's hard. He has wiped away the perspective that life's gonna be easy. He has obliterated the thought process that life is gonna all turn out a piece of cake, that life's gonna go well, that hard circumstance isn't going to be near him. No, instead, David has a perspective that helps him endure hardship when he faces difficulty. So here in verse three, he says, though an army besiege me, though war break out against me, and he's going to give us a perspective of how he can be confident in the midst of hardship, how he can endure his way through the challenging season. And in verse four, he's going to give us that secret. So I want us to get this perspective of verse four now inside of us. So how do you make it through the hardship? David gives us the thought in verse four that helps us endure the pain of verse three. 
And before we go there, think about not just verse three, the external hardship, but Psalm 27, 10, where he says, even if my father and mother forsake me. Remember, David was one who Jesse, his dad, had forgotten him when Samuel came through and wanted to anoint a king. We don't even know all the ways, but inside of David, he's saying, though you face this external hardship, though you face relational hardships, and he gives it to us right here in verse four. So I don't know what you're facing, but I want you to hear David. He goes, this one thing, this is what I desire. One thing I ask of the Lord, this is what I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon or to behold the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. This is a huge verse in the scriptures, famous one, because here's David and he's saying this central, this number one thing that I seek. And it's not the only thing in David's life because David does a lot of things. And it's not the things that we often make the one thing. Like he doesn't say this one thing I want, I just wanna be rich. If I just had money, no, he's lived in a palace. He doesn't say this one thing I want, if I just had some power, no, he's been king. If I just had some fame, this one thing, if I just have some fame, no, he's had them literally sing the song, Saul is slain his thousands and David is tens of thousands. Those things pale in comparison to the one driving thing that comes out of David. He goes, this one thing I ask of the Lord, this is what I seek. I wanna dwell with God. That's what he's going for. That's the verse four philosophy, the verse four secret. I wanna be close to God. I wanna dwell with God. Some people want to be close to God, to use God to accomplish their goals. Hey, I'll be the religionist that I want God so that I can be blessed. I want God so that I can have a good life. I want God so that I can just appease God, be okay with him. And if you get that in your heart, then when things go hard and challenging and difficult, then you'll have accusation in your heart towards God. But if we get what David has, this heart of a friend, I wanna be God's friend. This one thing I ask of the Lord, this is what I seek, I wanna dwell in the house of the Lord. He, David wants God for God's sake. David's not wanting to use God. David wants to be close to God because God is God. David wants a relationship with God because what's it like to be near God? What's it like to have the presence of God? What's it like to be close to God? So that then David can do all the other things that he's called to do. But the driving thing, the one thing that burns within him is just, I love to be close to God. And David did do a lot of things. Acts 13, 36 says that David fulfilled God's purposes in his own generation. David had purpose. David did a lot of things. So it's not saying the only thing that he did, but it is saying this, David says, this one thing I ask this is what I want more than all the other things. This is the driving thing. This is the fuel that empowers me to live out my purpose. I wanna be close to God. As a church, we're so committed to this. We're so committed to each one of us being close to God. We're so committed to even as a church being close to God. We want to be near Him. And I want you to just pull back and ask yourself this one question. Have I decided that I'm gonna be someone that dwells near God? Like, is this my passion? David's got, not the, I wanna live in his temple, like that's the only thing I wanna do because we know that David did all these other things. The macro idea is David saying, 
My vision is nearness to God. My vision is His presence. My vision is I want God for God's sake. I want to fulfill my purpose. How do I get there? I am someone that chooses to dwell close to God. So how do we behold the beauty of God? What does that look like? David was fascinated with the personality of God. So David said things like in Psalm 18, 19, you rescued me because you delighted in me. So he's talking about God delighting in him. It's a window into God's personality. David was someone who loved to just think on, meditate on who God is, what God looks like. And you can't get enough of beauty. Like you can't get enough of how beautiful God is. But even when you think about that word that David used, even when we think about beauty in our context, like let's say you push adventure and you go adventure so much, you can overdo it. You can be like, I just need a break, too much adventure. You can take a good thing like food and, and have too much of it. Like if you just are at a buffet table or Thanksgiving dinner for too long, eventually you go, too much. <laughs> I can't handle anymore. Or, I, or if you like people, like I love to hang out with people. I'm kind of a relational kind of guy, but you get too much around people. You do party a little too long, a little too many friends for too long. And you're like, I just need some solitude. I just need a break. So you, you can get too much of a good thing. But when it comes to beauty, you can't get too much of it. Like you never say, I want to see something uglier. You don't look at creation and go, I just want to see something that's not beautiful. No, you can't behold too much beauty. It's impossible. And when we think about like the heavenly scene, they're worshiping God forever and ever saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And they never say, you know what? I'm done. I've just, I've beheld too much. No, it's impossible. Infinite beauty. God, you're amazing. And that's what David is doing. He's saying, God, you're incredible. God, you're amazing. God, you're wonderful. God, you're glorious. So I was thinking about even like my wife, Renata, she loves to take like creation and talk about how beautiful God is when she sees creation. So David says in Psalm 19, he says, when we look at the skies, we see how awesome God is. That's Psalm 19.1. David talks about even beholding how great God is when we look at the skies. And what happens when you start to talk about how great God is, whether it's through the beauty of creation, his personality, how awesome he is forever, how he responds to his people, all those ideas, it takes you out of your small circumstance and brings you into God's macro picture. So it's not my micro small problem, which seems to be what most of us fill our lives with. No, when we start to worship, when we start to behold what God is like, He's infinite in glory, infinite in beauty, infinite in excellency. And when we start to behold him, it takes us out of our small story and brings us into his big story. So our family of six can be driving down the road and be in the middle of a squabble. Like tonight, in the middle of quarantine, shall we get pepperoni or cheese? Micro, small story. Perkins squabble, backseat always says cheese. Mom and dad say pepperoni. We just don't know. That's what our attention is going to. But then Renata says, look at the sunset. Look at the sky. Isn't God amazing? Here's what she's done. She's lifted us from our micro story into the macro. God is awesome. And David, when he says, I love to behold the beauty of God in the middle of whatever pain, tension he's going through, it's this statement that though I might be going through hard things, when I stop and I look to God 
and I think on his personality, the fact that his love endures forever, who he is in eternity. When I think upon God, I disengage from my small story and I'm able to see his big one. It's not that you're running from your story, no. It's not like when you watch a movie and you just escape your story. Or if you read a book and you go, I just wanna escape my story. This is different. This is beholding God and you, your, your small story makes more sense when you see God's big story. One of the best things you can do in the middle of this quarantine is not get wrapped up in your small story because you'll become angry because this is a hard story. Like if this were a movie, this is a hard scene. If this were 24, this would be a moment where you don't know what Jack Bauer is going to do. This would be a challenging moment. That, but when you pull out and you say the big story and you see, I want to behold God. I don't want to get caught up into my small story. I want to see the big story. I want to see God. He goes, I'll help you see I'm at work. I'm doing things you can't fathom. And this is what men of God did all throughout Old Testament narratives. You've got guys like Moses. Moses loved to be with God. He wanted to be with him. He wanted to behold him. Remember, like Exodus 33, where Moses is saying, I want to behold God. Let me see your glory. Remember that? I just want to see more of who you are. Yeah, Moses goes, I'm kind of ruined. I've been on the mountain and I've seen who God is. I'm kind of ruined for just kind of regular life. What my favorite thing is to be with God. I want to behold God. Remember when Isaiah said in Isaiah 6, after he has the vision of heaven and he goes, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. He goes, woe is me. I'm a man of unclean lips and I live among a people of unclean lips. I'm ruined. And I love that word ruined because I've, he goes, I've seen something better. I'm ruined for normal life. I'm just ruined for the other pursuits. I got a bigger pursuit. I want to behold God. This is what happens. He just gets ruined for other things. Okay, so silly illustration. Two weeks ago, there was a catastrophe, crisis in the Perkins home. We ran out of coffee. Now, we had some instant coffee. And so one morning, I got up extremely early and I made instant coffee and I hated it. In fact, I only drank a little bit and I actually poured it out. Like, I know you go snob. I know, I'm a snob. I can't believe it. You know why? Because at Radiant, we have had pour over coffee since we started. I'm telling you, I've got years now of drinking pour over coffee and instant coffee is like, oh, compared to pour over coffee, I'm ruined. I was not a coffee snob before I came to Kansas City, but now, oh, Paul Barker has ruined me. I need the good stuff. Everything else is awful. Like spit it out. Give me the good stuff. Give me the pour over. Give me some great coffee. Silly. But here's what David's saying. He goes, I, I want to behold God. Everything else is a small story. Everything else is dull. David, you have wealth. Ah, who cares? David, you got fame. Eh. Dave, you got power. Mm. I'm ruined. I've beheld him. Isaiah goes, I'm ruined. I want to see God. Moses, I, I just want to see God. You see it? You feel it? It's Everything else pales in comparison compared to, oh, that sounds like Paul, the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus for whose sake I've lost all things. I've beheld God. And so David, he gives us this vision. You're going through crisis, army, war breakout, mom and dad reject me. Here's the one thing that I want. If I can behold God, 
They'll war break out. They'll mom and dad reject. If I can see him, I'm good. I'm okay. And friends, if we'll get that in our heart, you and I will be good too. We can go through anything and go, this is the one thing that I So how do we remain motivated to seek God's face? Here in Psalm 27, verse eight, David says, my heart says, seek your face, your face, Lord, I will seek. He's saying, I'm gonna pursue, I'm gonna come after you. I want your presence. I wanna seek after God. But, but isn't God's presence everywhere? I mean, that's the idea that David says in Psalm 139, where we, we read, hey, wherever I go, your presence is there. If I go down to the depths, if I go up, Where can I go from your presence? It's his omnipresence or his general presence. It's the idea that God is everywhere and God is everywhere. But we find through the word of God that there are moments where there's a closeness, a relational presence. Some people talk about it as a thin space. It's this, it's this place where God's connecting with his people or God's connecting with an individual. We find it in Genesis 28 where Jacob has that dream. And then he says, Surely God is in this place, right? Genesis 28. Paul references it in 1 Corinthians 14, where he says, when the, get, when the, the church is operating in its gifts and someone comes in and sees the church operating as it's supposed to, they'll say, surely God is among you. It's that idea. It's God's manifest presence or his tangible presence or his relational presence. I was thinking about it this way. Whatever you behold, Whatever you spend time looking at, that relationship, you start to value presence. So like if you were to imagine going to a concert and there's kind of a general presence as you're sitting out in the crowd, but if you were to go down and have a conversation with someone that you've spent lots of time listening to their music or some kind of movie where you meet the actor, actress that you esteem, or maybe an athlete, If you were to meet the athlete that you've watched on television and you have relationship, well, that would be something that would cause hunger, desire. I wanna wanna have close relational presence. I wanna seek their face. I wanna kinda get in their face, know them, like eyeball to eyeball. Like like I was thinking about it this week, I uh, was on a phone call, a Zoom call. Now that we all do Zoom, everybody said Zoom, right? We all know Zoom and, and, and hundreds of pastors and this author, pastor is giving a monologue and while he's talking he forgot the name of a missionary in India and he stumbled and I just put everybody knows zoom chat now bam I just put E. Stanley Jones just knew it and the moderator said is that E. Stanley Jones and this pastor said yes how did you know and the moderator said David Perkins in Kansas City and this author speaker pastor said Thank you, David. And I thought, ah, I have arrived. I mean, come on. Why? He said my name, right? I had excitement. This guy said my name. He's never seen my face. Why would I even think that way? What is that? Ah, it's just, I've listened to him preach and I've read his books and I value him and what, who he is. And so it's weighty. And so just kind of a thought, what if he knows my name? It's just that kind of idea. Imagine with God. David, I just, I I love to seek your face. You're the creator. You're the God of the universe. You're you're the sustainer. You're omnipotent. You're 
you're not just omnipresent. You love to give your presence. There's a closeness. James 4, 8, draw near to God and he'll draw near to you. There's this potential seeking of God and getting close to his presence. And that's what David's talking about here in Psalm 27. He's going, I value your presence. Thinking about it this way, there's a uh, story about Eugene Peterson. And he's the guy that uh, wrote the message translation. So if you read the message and his vision and goal was to just take the Hebrew Old Testament, Greek New Testament, and help people understand the Word of God by using modern language. So he created the message. But while he was writing the Old Testament, he'd already written the New Testament, and Bono read it and loved it so much that he contacted Eugene Peterson and just wanted to meet him and connect with him because he was so grateful for Eugene Peterson's work on the New Testament. Problem was that Eugene Peterson didn't have a value system for Bono. He didn't even know who he was. So when Bono contacted Eugene Peterson, Bible scholar, Eugene Peterson declined to meet with Bono. Now, hold on. The rest of us would go crazy. We've, we've beheld Bono. We've listened. We've seen. All of us. Come on, Radiant. I still haven't found what I'm looking for. I mean, imagine Bono calls you. Woohoo! That'd be a good day. So what is it in Eugene Peterson that declined it? Well, he hadn't beheld. And here's what I want you to see. Whatever you behold, whatever you spend time, I want to gaze upon, I want to look at, that becomes weighty and that's what you'll seek. And so some people say, oh yeah, meeting with God. Okay. Yeah, I've been hearing that since I was 10. I've heard that since I was in my 20s. Yak, old idea. Hold on. But to the one who's been with him and had God transform the heart and God work supernaturally in their life and beheld God is at work and opened up the scriptures and fallen in love with the God who loves us and knows us and sent his son to die for us, then there's a relational presence that goes, I've, I've, I've beheld him. I've, I've seen him. He's at work. I know him and there's an ache. And that's what I want us to aim for today. I want us to aim for that. I'm gonna seek after this one that I have beheld. I want the presence of God. So as David said it in verse four, this one thing I ask, this is what I seek there, I dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon or to behold the beauty of the Lord and to seek him. And he comes back around in verse eight, says it again. My heart says of you, I'll seek your face. And today, Let's get that resolution inside of us. We will be people that are gonna seek God, seek his presence, be with him because we've beheld him. David ends in verse 14 here where he says to wait upon the Lord. And let's just go practical for a minute because this is how we wanna conclude. How do we actually wait upon the Lord? What does it look like to spend time with God in such a way that we behold who he is, that that cry inside of David is in us. I wanna encourage you to have four practical things. Number one, set a time and a place to be with God, especially during this season. This is a great time to build that habit. And as a church right now, what we're doing is we're trying to read four Psalms a day. And when we do that, we're meditating on the word of God. We're getting the word of God alive inside of us. And we're turning the Psalms actually into conversation with God. I wanna encourage you, number one, Get a time and a place to be with God. Number two, read the Psalms. Do four Psalms a day. Just during this season, we're just committing. We're all gonna be with God so that we get a deep root system and growing close to God. 
I want to encourage you, number three, if you can, to just get a journal and start writing some of your prayers to God. Now, some of you, that might be too much. If you want to just start with, hey, let's just, let's just go four Psalms, David. That's kind of a lot. Just leave it there. But some of you, you've been doing that for a week and you want to add a little bit more. I want to invite you to just take a journal and just begin to write out responses to God and just date it. Just put the date in there and then each day just begin to, I like to just write to God. It helps me dialogue with God, look back, know what I've written, know what I've said in past days. And the last one I'd encourage you to, it's one of the best thing you can do is be in relationship with other people and talk about what God is saying to you. Talk about what you're experiencing. Talk about what, what's coming alive in the scriptures. So when you read the word of God, it's a way of beholding. It's a way of saying, as I look in the scriptures, I can see what God is like. And then you turn it into conversation and God at work, the Holy Spirit is alive and at work today. So you're saying, God, show me what you're doing. Show me, I wanna see the activity of God. I like even sometimes just to go on a prayer walk and look at creation and that Psalm 19 idea, just go, oh God. But all of that is a way of beholding the beauty of God. All of those are ways of saying, God, I want to behold you, see you. And my dream is, is that this week we would continue to go deeper and that you would go through this season in the Psalms. And we want to help you on your journey doing that. And some of you, you're hearing this today and you're like, David, I am not even close to that. I, I, all I know when you talk this way is that I want something more in my life than what I currently have. When, when you say that relationship with the God of the universe is available, that's what I want. And right now, I'm in need of God. Listen, think about it this way. Here's David and he's so hungry to behold God and he doesn't see what we see. We get to see through the lens of Jesus. <laughs> We've got the good news of that for God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son, Jesus. And Jesus came and he lived perfectly, died on the cross, rose from the dead, ascended into heaven. He's seated at the right hand of the Father, God of the universe, and he created a way for us to have relationship with him. I'm telling you, we have such privilege to behold God and to walk in relationship with God. And right now, I wanna invite you to say yes to Jesus. Those of you that right now you go, I'm, I'm not walking with God, but I want relationship with God. Guess what? Today you can start a journey with Jesus. It's the best decision that you could ever make. And we at Radiant Church want to help you go on your journey. And I want to invite you just to pray this prayer. Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus and I give you my life. Come and save me. Come and do a fresh work inside of me. I turn from going my way. I want to go your way. I give you my life. Make me a new person. I want to spend eternity with you. I choose to follow you. Be the Lord of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer, it is the best decision you could ever make. And I want to invite you to just click right there, <laughs> just right there on the website, or if this is on YouTube, then I want to invite you just to email us, yes at radiantchurchkc.com, and tell us that you've made this decision to follow Jesus. We want to help you. We want to resource you. We want to help you get connected to people. It's the best choice that you have ever made, will ever make. Following Jesus is the only way to live. And those of you that have made decisions to follow Jesus, you're already walking with God. I want to lead you in a prayer right now. I just want you to ask the Holy Spirit just for one thing that you can respond. Just right now, just God, Holy Spirit, highlight one idea or one practical application that I can take from today to be 
someone that beholds God. Now, will you just pray? Just pray that prayer, just you and God. Say, God, I want to live that. Show me. Just have your own moment with God right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, we as Radiant Church, we give you our lives. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that you're helping us walk through a challenging time. Lord, we pray for your strength. We pray that we would be a people of one thing. We pray, Lord Jesus, that you would help us to behold God. We give you our lives in Jesus' name. Amen.